being actually what I started with last, uh, what is today? Oh, Wednesday night, okay? Now, surely you weren't here Wednesday night, uh, but I talked about prayer, and I actually talked about, uh, if I can get back to my notes, I'll tell you exactly what I was talking about, the necessity of prayer, okay? And I was convicted through my own personal uh, devotion time, my own personal devotion time when I'm reading all kinds of things, reading the Bible, reading, reading old commentaries from, you know, 100 years ago, uh, reading, you know, the early church fathers, just reading, okay, studying. And all, it seems all of the old church fathers, and I'm not even going to go back to the Reformation, okay? I just want you to think of how your pastor prayed 50 years ago, how pastors prayed. A hundred years ago, how devoted the church was to prayer. Amen? And I was convicted. And I stood here Wednesday night, and if you haven't watched the Wednesday night service, go back and watch it because I'm not going through all the notes again. <laughs> Amen? But, suffice it to say, there was enough information given on uh, Wednesday night that I was convicted about prayer, about my devotion. And do I pray for our church? Yes. But I really feel like I need to be doing more praying for our church. I feel like I need to be doing, I need to be devoted, not, because I pray just like you pray, right? But I think there needs to be a specific time as your pastor that I go every day to the Lord to pray for you, for this community, for the ministry that this church has so that we can be effective in what we're doing. And I'm, I'm noticing even in reading the Bible how devoted the apostles were to prayer, right? Peter got put in jail. What did they do? They prayed without ceasing. Prayers were given without ceasing for Peter while he was in jail, right? The church prayed. They devoted themselves to prayer. Amen. Now today it's like Christians think, eh, you know, prayer. But we don't have the same desire, the same necessity to pray. And the, the, the quote that I read out of Spurgeon's book, uh, the lectures to my students, he basically said that pastors should be the model of prayer in their church. Pastors should be the one that anything that anything is said about this pastor, they need to be, it, it should be that, yeah, our pastor is a pastor of prayer. He's a man of prayer. Amen. And I'm reading that and I'm being challenged by Spurgeon saying that I'm like, oh, no. I need to pray more. And it was the Holy Spirit, I know, was, you know, moving upon me and saying, yeah, this is you. Do it. Amen? So tonight I wanted to talk just a bit about prayer, and then we're going to pray. Amen? I want to give you a couple quotes 
First, I'm going to give you one from Spurgeon. He says, we are not merely counseled and recommended to pray, but that we are bidden to pray. It's a command. It's a, it's a, it's a requirement. It's God saying, you need to pray. Amen? It's not a request. It's not merely a recommendation, but we're bidden to come and pray. Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, the night that he was in the garden, what did he say? Will you not pray with me one hour? And he went away a little ways and he come back and they had fell asleep. And he told them, wake up, could you not pray with me just this one hour? Amen? And we're so, and it got me just to thinking about my prayers. And, and then I listened to a sermon this week about prayer. And Alistair Begg was talking about prayer. And he said, you know, how pitiful sometimes it is that we'll pray just so uh, we, we, even at church we kind of pray, but when we pray it's more like, okay, God, bless what we're doing, and now let's get to what we're doing. Amen? As if prayer was a secondary thing or it was inconsequential, right? And he said, when you pray, others can tell whether you mean what you're praying. And if you don't if your prayers don't reflect that you really genuinely are seeking God in your prayers, people can tell that. Amen? So it was challenging to me, not only last week, but the challenges continued into this week. Because our topic last Wednesday was there's so many things that can get in the way of praying. So many things that in our lives that we're so busy doing things that it's just so easy to say that little, you know, 35 second prayer and really think we've just checked the box off. Oh, I talked to God today, right? And I want it to be so much more than that. I want my prayer life to be so much more than that. So much more than just checking a box off. Richard Baxter, a Puritan writer, he's talking about prayer. And he's talking about how we, well, he's talking about Christian living, actually, but he, he's telling pastors, it's in his book, The Reformed Pastor, and he's telling these pastors, we have the same sins that need to be crucified as those we're preaching to. We have the same struggles to overcome, and we have a higher calling, a deeper uh, well that we must come to because we are the pastor. Amen. And I would venture to say that the depth of the people at the church can probably ga be gauged by the depth of the pastor's prayer life and the depth of the pastor's devotional life and his own seeking God. And all that challenges me. Because while I find myself busy reading or I find myself busy going to do, I also realize that I've neglected my very own intimate time with God. Even in my obedience, even in your obedience, it's very important for us to understand that we can do nothing outside of Him. 
And that if we are doing anything outside of prayer and outside of our own devotion for Christ, then we are utterly falling short. I want to read to you, uh, it's a short one-page article from the Reformation Heritage book. Joel Beakey says this. He said, Lord, teach us to pray, Luke 11, 1. These words spoken by the disciple, uh, these words spoken by the disciples to the Lord Jesus Christ are revealing. It was customary in those days for rabbis to teach their disciples this important discipline. Yet there is more to this request than rabbinical custom. The disciples had heard Jesus pray various times. Surely they were impressed and moved by the intimate bond with God that Jesus' prayers revealed, among other things, in calling upon him as Father. Prayer is both the greatest privilege and the greatest burden of every Christian. It is a privilege because we can point to various times in our lives when prayer has been one of our greatest delights. You pour out your heart to God when burdened with sin and suffering or need and sense a living connection to him. When you want to say at such times like Jacob at Penel, this is none other but the house of God and the gate of heaven. Genesis 28, 17. Other times you pray out of a sense of custom and obligation and your prayers seem like empty repetitions and cold husks nearly devoid of life. You know something is wrong but are not quite sure what to do about it. If your prayers make you sigh, what effect do they have on God? You wonder. One reason we find prayer so difficult is that we tend to use the identical words to pray for the same thing. Certainly, there are always some new things to bring to the Lord, such as the crisis of the moment in the church or family. But most of our prayers are about the same things. It quickly seems boring and unspiritual. There are also, or excuse me, there can also be the sneaking suspicion of unbelief in our hearts that wonders if our prayers really accomplish all that much remember the prayer meeting asking uh, remember the prayer meeting asking the lord to free the apostle peter from prison the night before he was scheduled execution when informed he was standing at the door they said to the servant girl rhoda you are mad acts 12:15 in light of these difficulties and struggles, it is important to realize that why we pray is the key to knowing how to pray. I want you to get what he's saying right here. He said the key is how to pray. I'm going to read that sentence one more time, okay? In light of these difficulties and struggles, it is important to realize that why we pray is the key of knowing how to pray. How to pray is tied to why we pray. Why we pray. The answer is simple and yet profound and encouraging. As a father, I already know what my wife and children have planned for the day. Yet when I come home, I still ask what they did that day. 
I still listen to the childlike babbling of my toddler when, uh, with interest and delight. Just a few days ago, I took one of my toddlers on a bike ride. She pointed out every bird and animal she saw. I reacted with enthusiasm, enjoyed the interaction with my daughter. A father loves to interact with his children. God becomes your father through faith in Christ. And the adoption has, uh, excuse me, and the adoption of his grace, Galatians 4, 4 through 6. Even when you feel cold and distant, God is the perfect father who loves living interaction with his children. As earthly fathers, we become impatient, weary, or distracted. God the father never suffers from such weaknesses, Matthew 7, 11. Through Christ the mediator, he also purifies our prayers so that they all rise acceptable before him like incense. Even when we are most burdened by our coldness or our weakness, reminding yourself of this is a great help for prayer. God has also given wonderful helps in how to pray. Have you ever wondered how someone could pray for an hour or more a day? You feel unspiritual and second-rate because you doubt you could ever do it. The secret to prayer, uh, excuse me, the secret is to pray God's own words back to Him. One method is to divide the Psalms into five sections and 30 sections each. So on the first day of the month, you read Psalm 1, 31 and 61. Prompt yourself to pray over one verse or one thought at a time. Ask God to keep you meditating on his word and day and night. Perhaps at least one of the five psalms of a day will prompt the fountains of prayer. You might not even get to them all before your time is up. You will find a freshness, a variety to your prayers in doing so. The ACTS acronym, Adoring, Confession, uh, excuse me, confession, thanksgiving, supplication can also be a wonderful help to prayer. Adoring God for who he is, confessing your sins wholeheartedly, thanking him secretly and offering up your supplications to him. He will hear the needy when they cry out to him. Closing on this subject for just a moment from quotes. I want to quote Spurgeon one more time and then I want to go to a couple Bible verses. If God be true, you cannot seek mercy at his hand through Jesus Christ and get a negative reply. We must remember that when we pray, God wants us to pray. Not only does God want us to pray, God absolutely delights in our prayers. Amen? The Bible says that the prayers of the saints in heaven go up for before God from the altar like incense, a sweet-smelling fragrance before God. That's how God views your prayers. Even when you feel distant, even when you feel cold, because here's the thing, okay? And Miss Shirley is just a couple years older than me, but she can tell you that prayer 
is not always this great and glorious thing that you always get goosebumps and you know you're always brought to tears or you're all amen it's not always like that but we can't go by what we feel because what we feel changes so frequently have you ever noticed that there'll be days when you wake up in a really good mood and that's normally the days when your prayers feel the best right and then the days when you wake up in a really terrible mood and then you try to pray and you're like, oh, there's no use, right? And still other days when you wake up and, and you are in that terrible mood and then you do pray and you get a gift. You get, you get refreshed. You get renewed in prayer. Amen? Prayer is no different than reading God's word. There's days when you read God's word and it's alive and you're like, wow. And then there's other days when you read through numbers and it's not exciting and it's not glorious and it's a lot of he begot, she begot, so-and-so, right? But it's all useful. It's all building you. It's all useful for teaching you, for correcting you, for training you, and for, uh, 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 I can't remember the other one now. <laughs> the Word of God, all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. Good for training you, amen? All of it. What's training? Do you, Mike, when you ran cross-country, you trained, Right? Training was not always fun, was it? No, because in training, you're pushing yourself farther and far. You're trying to continue to go farther and deeper and farther in your running, right? That's what cross country is all about, is going farther, right? The farther you go, the better, right? That's cross country. And the understanding is, our Christian life is not a hundred-yard dash. Amen? Our Christian walk is a marathon. And we must be dedicated. We must be ready for the pain. We must be ready for the monotony. Because I'm telling you, it's probably, cross-country is probably like driving to Jetmore, Kansas. After a while, all the flat stuff around you looks the same, and you're wondering, am I ever going to get there? Amen? It's just running in circles, right? Right. It's so, there's times in our lives like that. And God did not promise you, hey, when you become a Christian, every time you pray, it's going to be goosebumps, you know, and you're going to have tears, and you're going to just feel it all, right? And I think so often that's why we don't pray like we should. Because just like the disciples, our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. Amen? I want to go to a few verses, and we've already done these. We talked about this one last week, but I'm going to read it anyway, okay? My goal tonight is to preach about we have been called to pray, and then we're going to pray, amen? 
I want to pray for this church. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for those who God is planning on sending here. I want to pray for those who have left and not come back. I want to pray for those who are far off and, and seem distant. I want to pray for this church. And I want us to pray as a church. Amen. I don't think we do enough of that as a church. This is so important. You understand that the church was praying for Peter all night long together. Matthew chapter 6. Starting at verse 5. When thou prayest, thou shalt not be like the hypocrites are. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the street corners, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy father, which is in secret. And thy father, which is in secret, shall reward you openly. Now, I want to stop here for a moment because this is something that I did not touch on Wednesday night. But this portion of Matthew 6, these two verses before we get to the Lord's Prayer, this is talking about your own personal devotion life, right? That's, what the, that's, the, that's what's in view here, right? He's telling you to go to your closet, pray in secret, right? So there's times when we're to pray in secret, and there's times when we're to pray together. Amen? It's not, I just pray at church, or I just pray at home. We need to be doing both. I'm going to show you that, right? But this one here in view is my personal intimate time with God. And look how he phrases this. Jesus said, but when you pray, and I want to note that, when, Jesus expects us to pray, amen? Do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not therefore likened unto them, for your Father knoweth the things that you have need of before you ask. Now, I'm going to stop right here for just a second. My exhortation earlier about only giving a 30-second prayer, I'm not saying that God does not hear our 30-second prayers, and I'm not saying that 30-second prayers cannot be heartfelt, genuine prayers. I'm just asking you to evaluate your own prayer life and to see if your 30-second prayers are actually heartfelt prayers or if you are just going through the motions like many of us do. Finally, he says, After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We come to God because he's glorious and worthy of praise. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We come to God not to, to build our kingdom, not to establish our own way, but to receive from God his kingdom. To receive from God his will, that his kingdom would come in our life, that his will would be done in our life. Give us this day our daily bread. God, sustain me this day with all the grace, all the mercy, all the compassion, all the patience that I need to live out my day. 
And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lord, let me be forgiving and let others forgive me. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lord, keep me from evil. Because my flesh, my life, the world, the flesh, and the devil are all out to get me off this path. So keep me from evil. For thine, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the model for our daily prayer life. This is the model for our secret prayer. Amen. This should be the heart, the driving force behind the prayer here. Jesus is telling you how to pray, but what helps you in how to pray is why you pray. Because God wants relationship with you. Amen. And God knows what you have need of. If God knows what you have need of and still wants you to pray, that must tell you something. Go with me to Luke 18. We're moving from our personal prayer life to Jesus saying what he says in Luke 18 verse 1. And most of you know what he says here. So I'm not going to expound on this very much. But I want to tell you what Luke says here. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought to always pray and not to faint. Do you want to be more strong in your walk with Christ? Do you want to be more strong in your prayer life? Pray always. Amen. Exercise the gift of prayer. Amen. Exercise your gift of communication with your father. Turn with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 10. Uh, Luke, excuse me, Luke 18, Luke chapter 18, verse 10. I know what I meant. I want to read verse 9, okay? Start right there. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Now I want to talk about the heart and the attitude of prayer. So let's continue reading. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus himself uh, thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not as other men are, extortioners and unjust adulterers or even as this publican. I fast twice a week. I give tithe of all I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other one. For everyone that exalts himself shall be abased. 
and he that humbles himself shall be exalted. And I want to talk to you just for a second, and it's not going to be long because I want to pray. The attitude of prayer can never be us going to God in self-exaltation, in God do this for me, God make my, make my church great, make me great, make... This isn't the type of prayer that we need. God, save that heathen person over there. I'm glad I'm not like them. That kind of prayer will not be answered. And you will not go away justified. Amen. We must come to God humbly. Yes, we can come boldly before the throne of grace. And I think we've done ourselves a disservice. Jesus is our friend, and he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. But he's also God in the flesh. He's also the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And he needs we need to come to him as he is, lifted on high, the name above every name, seated at the right hand of the power of God, who judges the living and the dead. We come to him humbly understanding our place and our need for him, our need for his help, our need for his grace, our need for his mercy. That's how we come boldly before the throne of grace, knowing that the veil has been torn, that me, a pitiful, wretched sinner, can come before God and bring petition, bring uh, uh, my prayers, bring my supplication to God. Finally, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Carrying on this understanding. With Ephesians 6, he's talking about the armor of God. And then he gets to the purpose of the armor of God. He says, praying with all prayers and supplication. In the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. This is the job of the church to pray for each other. We're called to pray for each other. So we have three three facets right now. We have private prayer life we have the attitude of prayer when we come to pray together and we are called to pray for each other and you don't have to turn there because I'm going to read you the whole ver or quote you the whole verse because it's only a couple words but if 1 Thessalonians 5:17 says to pray always amen pray continually Prayer is not prayer is not an add-on. Prayer is not just you know a supplement to our Christian life. It is very vital to the church's existence. Do you realize that every time the church faced adversity, they prayed. Every time someone got in sin, they prayed. Every time they met, they prayed. They prayed in the morning. They prayed in the afternoon. They prayed in the evening. They prayed, prayed, prayed. Paul and Silas in the midnight hour prayed and sang songs to God in the middle of that mess. 
church, we've got to pray. And we're going to shut the camera off here in a minute because I'm done preaching. He can shut that thing off, but I want to come up here and I want to pray together. And I don't want it to be just all, hey, pray over a little thing. Whatever you need to pray for, I want to pray for. Whatever's on your heart to pray about, I want you to pray about it. But we need to pray. We need to pray for this church. We need to pray for each other. We need to pray for our families, the city. Pray for those who are still trapped and undone in, in false ideas about God. All kinds of things to pray about that we seemingly neglect. But let's pray. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to put this microphone down. And if you guys want, you can come up here and pray while I'm praying. But I'm going to pray for a moment. And then I'm going to set this microphone down. And then I'm going to go pray some more. Amen. Father God, I come before you tonight. Lord, I come before you. So humble, God. At my need to pray, at my, my lack of serious endeavor in prayer, God. Lord, I come to you and I confess that I have, at times, Lord, I have looked down upon the enterprise of prayer as a meaningless thing, as a frivolous thing, as, as something that just isn't going to do anything for me, God. Knowing better, I know the word, Lord, I know what your word says about prayer, that the, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, God, but our flesh, my flesh, is so easily deceived into thinking, oh, God's got this under control, or oh, it's somebody else's brand, or oh, we, you know, we thought about it, we're praying about it right now, we're talking about it, so now we don't need to dedicate any time to that. God, I confess my lack of prayerfulness as a pastor, my lack of prayerfulness as, as, a, as a shepherd over a sheep, your flock, God, that is not my church, God, but it is your church. God, and I know that one day I will stand and give an account for the prayerlessness, Lord, for the times when I could have said something, should have said something, should have done something, even those times, God. Lord, and I come before you tonight humbly, and I ask you, God, for forgiveness. I ask you for grace and mercy, God, and I dedicate myself brand new, God, to the endeavor, to the enterprise of prayer, that I might be fervent in prayer, that I might be devoted in prayer, that I might pray, God, with an understanding that our prayers are valued in your sight, God, that you have an expectation of us to pray, God. That you have an expectation of me to pray, God. That you have an expectation of me to lead this church in prayer. And Lord, that you have expected of your servants, God, those who are in authority over your church, to be men of prayer, to be women of prayer, God. Those 
who are called to lead women and, and the younger women, God, and the, the, the other aspects of the church, Sunday school leaders, God, and, and evangelists, and those who are out in the workforce, God. We are all called to pray and to seek you, to seek your will for our life, to seek your kingdom come and your will be done in our lives. Lord, I speak for this church and ask, Lord, that you would forgive us, that you would, uh, that you would correct us and train us and help us to become more devoted, more in love with our opportunities, God, to come before your presence. Help us to not think of prayer as some meaningless spiritual ritual, but as a time when we as your children get to come before your very presence, that we get to come and petition the great king of the whole universe, the great God and savior of all men, who is over all, in all, and through all. God, we ask that you would teach us how to pray. Lord, that your word would come alive in our hearts as we pray, that we would not pray as though it is some meaningless act, God, but that we would pray like we're shaking heaven. Lord, like we're rattling the gates, God, that we come boldly before your throne and ask you, plead with you, supplication, God, and that we are on our face, God, understanding that the only good that we will ever receive, the only righteousness that we ever get, the only grace, the only mercy is only from your hand. God, help us to pray. Help us to be men and women who are not afraid to come and pray for one minute, for 10 minutes, for 20 minutes, God. Let us not worry about the time. Let us not worry about the endeavors or the things we might miss. But help us, God, to soberly, reverently, humbly, and boldly come and bring our petitions before you. Lord, having an expectation that you know what we need, that you know what we're going to ask for, God, and expecting that you will answer our prayers, having faith that you hear and will do those petitions that we bring before you. God, help us to have the right attitude in prayer. Help us to have a mindset of prayer. That prayer is not second or third thing on our mind, God. But that we would be people of prayer. When someone has a problem, help us to pray. When someone's in need, God, help us to pray. When someone is sick and infirm, help us to pray. When someone is lost and, and, and wandered away from the church and in sin, God, help us to pray. Lord, when someone has wandered away from sound doctrine and sound teaching and are walking in fanciful thoughts of their own self and their own righteousness, God, help us to pray. When we're out in our endeavors of evangelism, God, in the enterprise of reaching other people for you, God, help us to do it prayerfully. Lord, when we do come across those who seemingly reject us, Help us to pray for them. 
when we come across those who seemingly want to accept the message but are not sure, help us to pray for them. When we come across those who willfully and, uh, 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 and, and gratefully receive the message, God, but, but we are uh, uh, so quick to just turn them loose, God, help us to pray for them. Lord, help us to pray for our family who oftentimes get neglected who oftentimes we take for granted that they've heard us a million times. Lord, but let us not stop there. Help us to pray and understand we need to go back that one millionth and one more time. Lord, help us to be devoted to the things that you spell out very clearly in your word that we should be devoted to. The teaching of your apostles. The breaking of bread, fellowship, and prayer, God. Help us as believers to be devoted to these things. Not out of a sense of religious duty, God. But out, an under, out of an understanding, God, that you want us to pray. Out of an understanding that you command us to pray. And God, we ask that you would give us a desire, an earnest desire to want to pray. Lord, help us to see our need for prayer. That our Christian life is not to be lived outside of a devoted prayer life. That other people will not be one outside of us being devoted to prayer, Lord. That the success and the business of your kingdom and the success of your kingdom, the spreading of the gospel, the spreading of your kingdom will not be done outside of a devoted, praying church. God, help us to see the, our need to pray. Our need to pray in secret. Our need to pray together. Our need to pray one for another. God, help us. Help me. Help me to pray. Lord, for all those people that have been on our prayer list, God, for being gone, for being sick, for being missing in action, God, we ask for your grace and mercy that you would meet every need according to your riches and glory. That you would do all according to that you have purposed, God, to bring the past. Help us to trust you. Help us to have faith. Help us to pray, God. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.